Okay, we're beginning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Thursday morning. I think it's like the 22nd, August 22nd. And I've been sitting in my red comfy chair where I normally did my channeling Amelin videos. And I've been centering and meditating. The interesting thing about meditation or getting into that space is being able to see things or feel things that aren't observant or, or aren't observable when I'm out just kind of sailing along in life. So when I did meditation this morning, I've been struggling with these allergies since yesterday. And today they're a little lighter and I can tell my body's um, fighting them off. But when I was meditating, I felt every pressure change in my chest and even like on the sides of my head by my ears, like there's definite change in my body because of this, um, uh, the allergy response, right? So it's pressuring all of these places. And when I sat with them, they would just start to dissipate, dissipate. So right on my, above my sternum, on my chest, it feels like there's, it's like a push out. But then when I put my attention there, it starts to just relax, 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 relax. Um, the other thing is the sounds that I notice. So when I'm in this inner space, it's the air conditioning that becomes extremely loud. It's um, the birds outside. It's the cat that's um, tapping on something as she's playing. So these sounds become in the forefront. Um, and that I, I understand too, my eyes are closed, so I'm not using visual input. So my, um, my ears are picking up data. And the other thing that I notice is when I see my thoughts, they're not a part of me. It's like I'm in there, I'm observing, but I am the person observing. Like I am, I, I understand where mm, my observations are coming from and they're not coming from like this 3D physical um, flesh that's interacting in the world because I can disconnect from that. I can connect deeper into it or I can fully disconnect from it. And then I become the watcher of everything. So I don't know. It's just really awesome. And I guess this is why I can spend so much time alone. Now I used to not be able to spend any time alone. I needed um, external stimulation 24 seven. It was like if I was left to my own um, thoughts, then it would be boredom. Right. So even though I'm very inventive, I, I always wanted to take in data like reading or researching or talking to people or I mean that's my addiction I guess is knowledge and um, when I'm in that space now all of the stuff comes from inside it's like I don't need an, an external stimulant because there's so much going on <laughs> so meditation has been kind of fundamental in this whole pathway because it gives you a grounding and a starting point. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to work on yourself when you believe that you're a stagnant thing, right? When you're like, this is what I am and you're so invested 
in your expression, then it's hard to change your expression. But by meditating, I see that my expression is much more fluid than I even allow. Um, I can see my rigidity and thought process. Um, um, for instance, sitting there uh, and preparing for you know my channeling Amelin um, process, yesterday's topic kept popping up and um, the information that I was getting was a matter of my experience is unique to my experience and other people aren't necessarily having those same experiences. For instance, um, in uh, the aspect of my mind, my mind is a pretty peaceful place for myself. Um, but others may not be experiencing on the same spectrum the, um, uh, how do you say it, the collaboration with self. So I can work with my mind. We, we work together, you know. Um, it's like uh, we're partners. <laughs> uh, my biology is working in tandem with my desires. But I, I understand that doesn't work for somebody else. So for them to go into channeling amylin process may be quite um painful for them it wouldn't be a joyous experience as it is for me and i understand that so um and all that was was an awareness it's saying that you know i am creating my expression but to remember that my expression is not receivable by everybody depending on where they are um there's in early on in my spirituality I was exposed to the law of attraction, right? So the law of attraction came when pop culture and the secret, well, actually it was before that because Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, all those books that I read way back before Landmark, um, those all talk about how you create your reality, right? And, and the law of attraction is that what you put your attention on is what you get more of. And, um, and I, and I kind of see that, but I'm really interested in how do you, the answers are already coming to me as I ask the question. I'm saying, how do you help somebody that's in a cycle of reality jump out into a new possibility? And um, there's nothing you can do to force anybody to change their reality. Absolutely nothing. Um, what we do is we could use our mirror neurons, right? So your mirror neurons influence people around you because it's what unites humans. So just by people watching me, how I am in the world, it exposes them to a new um, possibility. And the more that they do so, then that possibility becomes their new, new norm, right? Um, I was reading an article yesterday that talked about um, how authenticity can be dangerous because if your quest for authenticity is to remain in your comfort zone, right? And just saying, well, this is who I am. And you have a rigid belief about who you are, that it, it's almost like taking responsibility off of you and saying, well, this is just the way I am. That's, that's only part of the story because we are evolving, changing, um, fluid uh, personalities in a lot of our expressions. And if you believe that this is the way I am and there's nothing that I can change, then that in itself is not um, allowing for that possibility. So it won't happen. Um, yeah, so e authenticity is not about saying, 
I am who I am and it's never going to change. Authenticity is saying I am who I am and now I am who I am and now I am who I am and I create who I am, right? Every minute you're authentic to what you're, um, where you are at that space in time. Because if you're holding on to a program from five years ago, that's not authentic to who you are today. You're running an old program. So it's just a matter of that you're able to let go of stories and, um, and create new stories that express you in this moment in time. So who you are today can be completely different than who you are yesterday. Now that makes it difficult for other people who depend um, on others to remain constant so that they have expectations, right? Expectations are what kind of give our fear a little at bay, you know, but really expectations is nothing more than putting paper clips in things and we are much more fluid. So, um, and I, again, I understand that this is my experience, not everybody. Some people can be the exact same way from birth to death and they're okay with that. And there are spectrums of evolution. Not everybody is evolving at the, you know, forefront and pushing and pushing and pushing. Some people are in the middle, right? They're changing a little bit here, a little bit there, but maybe constant in others and some never change. And that's completely okay to have um, that diversity. But I'm speaking from my perspective and I am consciously choosing to push the boundaries of evolution of my mind. And it has to be an intention and allowance to do so. Oh, in a constant work. <laughs> so, um, I am going to go inside a little earlier today. I don't want to ramble for very long. I did my meditation and I guess most of my rambling gets out when I do that. Um, so close to recording. So let me explain the channeling Amelin process that was organically created in, in my own discovery and unfolding of who I am and how I can have this heaven on earth expression, being bliss and self-expressed and connected to humanity. The first thing is I make an intention and a routine of, of being with myself, right? So actually carving space out of my expression in this world so that I can have a place to create from. And that's what I do in this red comfy chair here in my bedroom. I have a space set up and then I also am trying to get a routine um, consistency is something that I have struggled with in the past so I'm working around my stories about that and where I am but um, I was gonna do Monday through Thursday was the idea but because I teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, sometimes it depends on what's going on that day I may not have the time um, so Monday Wednesdays and then one day during the weekend I can do because Friday I meet with Teresa and write the book so um, those other days I might. I need to allow this to be organic. Forcing it into a schedule is just um, causing a conflict for me. So allowing it to be organic. All right, so again, I give myself safe, uh, I give myself time and space to focus on going within. And this is my creation time. I am actually creating my expressions. So once I'm in here, um, in order to detach from the external world and um, my focus on it, I'd use four, seven, eight breathing, which I close my eyes. I breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of seven, 
and blow out for a count of eight. And what I'm doing is I'm slowing down my breathing. Um, and when I slow down my breathing, kind of my mind slows down with it and can center. And I'm um, just staying with that breath and that disconnects me from the outside world. That's the same as meditation. So anytime I'm breathing and I focus on my breath, then that is my true expression, right? Everywhere I go, my breath is there. <coughs> All right, so four, seven, eight breaths. I still have a little bit of cough <coughs> from those allergies but we're just gonna let it hit to the side. All right, four, seven, eight breaths. Once I'm centered, then I use visualization, imagination, to bring forth um, all of the areas of the process that I use. So the first one is grounding. Grounding is a tool that I use to keep me connected to everybody else's reality. So when you move beyond what the world is showing you for your understanding and you go within, it's easy to lose track of the parts that we agree on, right? So um, what I had tended to do is just live in my beautiful realm. I mean, I'm telling you, if you could get in my brain or my thoughts, they are so freaking beautiful, it's hard to pull away from them. But when I'm there and other people are dealing with some other stuff, right? They're like uh, physical 3D world struggles. It's easy for me to not be able to connect with them if I don't ground first, right? So I need to connect with the struggles or with the reality that everybody is sharing. I'm not sharing those struggles, but I, I understand where they're coming from and, and those kind of things, right? So I need to ground into that world so I can have empathy and collaborate and see the world from their perspective. So I visually see like this bulb of roots coming out of my butt <laughs> down into the ground and um, the roots just anchor me. Like I can see them like roots growing deep into the earth. And that grounds me. Again, I'm coming back to a shared reality. From that grounding the roots up through my body, a tree, like the trunk of a tree grows. And that is um, a channel, a bridge for me to go from the shared reality that we interact with and walk into or travel into the reality that is my own. And that's my highest expression of self. This is where all the information is, right? So ego requires us to eliminate a bunch of information so we can paperclip something. If something is, then something else must not be. But in this space, everything is because it's not tying it to an expression, it, um, a specific ego expression. It's everything um, available to me, all the possibilities, and I'm not limiting myself. This is a place where uh, my ego does not go. So it does not need to protect me by um, validating or invalidating information. This is the space um, where people pray, where people talk to past loved ones, where people commune with nature. Um, wherever you go, 
to, you know, when you're struggling in real life and you kind of look up, most people look up and they're like, oh God, maybe not God. Maybe they're like science, I don't know, universe. <laughs> but whatever they, um, that power that's outside of you that has much more um, potential than just this human form, right? So I go up into that. This is what I call my unconscious. Um, it's my highest expression of self. Again, beyond Amelin's little ego tantrums, here's where all that information lies. Here's how it shows up for me. It's in the trees of, it's in the trees, it's in the boughs or the branches of this tree that I'm imagining. And um, all the leaves become the colors of the aurora borealis. And I've tried to research this in the 3D world and find out why am I always getting the aurora borealis. And it just doesn't make sense the more I research. There's just an unknown there. But that's how it comes for me in, in these colors of the Aurora Borealis. And then um, I have a council, which is basically where I'm focusing to see the visions and get the information that comes to me. So I have five um, energy entities. I don't know why it happens this way. It just does. When I'm in this space, I allow whatever comes, comes. So I have five different energies and they do have different focuses. So depending on the question, one will walk forward and then not walk forward, but it's kind of a lean, like their energy pops at me, if that makes sense. And then the other ones kind of go in the background. And then I have an empty chair, um, right here on the, on the left of the the half circle. I have a six chair that it has like a half of an energy. <laughs> I don't know. Something it's holding a space for something, but I don't know who's coming there. Um, who, what, I don't know. But for some reason in these last couple of months, I had an extra chair. And then on this side, I have, um, Teresa who's living and she is my, um, my partner, my mentor, my, um, yeah, we're playing in this, in this realm together. But she has the skill sets to hold space. And what hold space means is that she can just kind of hold me in the uncomfortable positions or the scattered ones. So when information comes too quickly sometimes, like a, a waterfall, then I'll hear Teresa's voice say, um, take a breath, step back, um, go into the pain. You know, so she's guiding me through this journey. And I don't see her as Teresa in real life. This, uh, she comes up as a Native American woman sitting on a porch in the middle of this kind of desert area. And um, yeah, her face and all that is different, but it's the same energy. Then above this space, which is kind of like I said in the branches and the tree leaves, above that about... Mm, Oh, maybe a foot, if that, above where my hand reaches, if I reach up, I see a white light coming from my head to that place. And there's like another realm there. And this is where everything and anything exists. So this is like my God source, right? And I am that. Like, like this expression that is doing all this work is a sliver of that. It's not everything because I actually have contrast. I can experience both good and bad. I can experience two sides of the coin and everything in between. But in this space, it's like perfection. It's like there are no, there is no duality. It just is. So that's the place that I connect and understand that I'm an expression of this ultimate source. I get my information out of my ego up in the place with my counsel. I channel or I have a bridge down into the reality that everybody else shares with me. 
Okay, so I have that visualization. The last thing that I do is I remove my ego. My ego is like a, the way I see it, it's like an Ebenezer Scrooge kind of candle. It's like the flat platform with the little ring holder. And then there's a candle on it. And that candle has a bright flame. And I pull that back through my body and over to the right. And then I have this brick wall that's about thigh high um, height. And I put the candle on that. And then I just remind my ego, you're gonna sit over here, but I will come back and pick you up. I cannot move in the world without paper clips, right? Because you would have nothing to interact with, which is kind of cool, to be honest. If I could live in the world and be really fluid, I think that's where I'm going. But right now, I still am using paper clips. Um, I just don't know how to get to that other, or if it's possible, you know, maybe those are questions I'll ask, we'll see. All right, so let's go ahead and go through this process. I visualize the grounding up through the trunk to the Aurora Borealis, my council, Teresa, and the all that is, my connection to source, my ego back and to the right. All right, we're here. So now, um, I ask questions, whatever I'm curious about or whatever I'm um, being challenged with, and then I just allow the answers. This is something I learned way back when I went, did my very first ceremony. Um, the, the thing with uh, getting help is if your ego is driving it, nothing comes, right? If you, if you superimpose what you know on, to, on top of it, then you don't allow for what's coming. So I have to surrender. Ooh, it's a lot of work to surrender because my brain loves to analyze stuff. But surrender is just what is comes forth and I'm forth and I'm going to translate. I'm not going to create meaning. I'm going to accept the meaning that comes, if that makes sense. So first I need to ask a question. Um, two ways that I do this and I do this when I channel for others. Um, oh, when I channel for others, all I'm doing is the exact same process for myself but I'm having them tap into their highest self and then I'm, I'm talking with their highest entity. So <laughs> it's like a, I, go up, I go up into my tree, my, my leaves, and, then, and I take the person that I'm doing a reading for and I take their highest self up there and I'm communicating with them, right? Um, so this is kind of what I do. Um, channeling for others, I do the same process for myself. I go up there and first I ask, what is my highest good to know, right? What is, what is the highest good for Amelyn to know in this time and space? And then I just listen and see what comes. And I'll do that for other people too. Like if I'm doing a reading for somebody, I'll be like, what is my, it is in their highest good to know. And then I just allow whatever comes through. So here we go. All right. What's in my highest good? to know at this time and space. And then I'm just gonna wait. And I'm seeing like feathers, but I'm feathers on the bottom of an arrow. So it's an arrow that's been shot and it landed into the ground and it's focused on the feathers that, um, that have guided that arrow. So what is this significant? What does this signify? Or what's the meaning? And then somebody has come, picked up the arrow out of the ground. It's so cool. They have like sandals on and I can see the dust. Like it's a red dust on their feet. 
underneath these uh, kind of leather. Oh, this must be like old school. It kind of gives me like a Greek vibe, like Greek or that uh, Roman. No, Greek, Roman, Greek, Roman, Greek, Roman. It, when I say Greek, it lights up. And then when I say <laughs> the picture of the guy picking up the arrow, when I say Greek, it kind of flashes a little bit. But then I get those things that went behind the ears, like they're sprigs of leaves. And then for some reason, I, I keep getting Roman from that. Um, but, but it won't allow me to, it won't. So this is how it shows up. So when I say Greek, it blinks, right? Like brighter. And then when I, when I like catch Roman, I don't know if it's out of my mouth or in the thought, but when I think, yeah, cause it's just thinking Roman, it, it sparks, but it doesn't catch. Like it won't like keep my attention. That's so interesting. All right. So we're Roman. No, we're Greek. <laughs> All right. So it's saying Greek for some reason that matters. Okay. So Greek arrow picking it up out of the ground and it's focused on the feathers that guide oh that's it feathers that guide so what's guiding what okay so um it's about how it flies through the air the arrow so the arrow has an intention right so when you shoot the arrow you want it to go somewhere and um, it follows that trajectory as it goes. And then what the, the feathers are for, the feathers guide it. So they lift with the wind, but the arrow doesn't have to do anything, right? So it doesn't deploy wings like bring, spring out. <laughs> so the picture of the arrow <laughs> with this like release trap button or something and it goes boing and these like winged feathers come off. That is not what happens. It's a stagnant, always there thing, and you put the intention on where it goes, and then it's the divine design of it that um, propels it that way. Now, we can redirect our focus, right, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left to um, kind of put where we want it to land, but it's going to take off and just go, and then all the, the... the bow, I mean, not the bow, but the stick part. I don't know what this is called, but it's showing me the stick part that connects to the tip of the arrow as well as the um, feathers. And it's saying that that stick part has a part, has a purpose as well as the feathers. But the feathers, what it does is it catches what's already there. So it's actually using the laws of the world that you throw it in, right? So it's using gravity, it's using aerodynamics, it's using all this stuff that exists beyond you to carry out your intention. Oh, or duh, I get it. So it's um, basically my intention is what's important and then the practice in moving it a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. But it's really... Um, that which is already around, which is carrying it to be executed. But the more that I know about that process, the more that I can uh, work in tandem with it. That's interesting. (coughs) All right, so um, this brings me to the question of this free will, because I often struggle with that which I control and that which I don't. So help me understand where free will plays into this. 
Obviously, the intention is set by free will and the enjoyment of the process. So as the arrow goes, it's showing me that um, Greek dude, and he's, he's enjoying it. He's almost like, it's competitive for him, but he's enjoying the combat of skill. It's like the comparison of skill. So there's um, contentment, happiness, motivation, ambition. There's a, a, a drive for this because it's an enjoyed experience. Got it. And then the person that um, shoots the arrow and has no desire, there's a lot less power behind what could happen. It's almost like, well, it will carry as long as the, the air, but without an intention, it can go where you least expect it. Okay, yeah. So the rules still exist. Whether you uh, fire the arrow with intention or you're just haphazardly kind of like, I'll pick it up off the table, boing, there you go, but you have no clue what you're doing or a desire to do anything, then it's just gonna go wherever it goes. So we're, again, free will is what I'm focusing on. When I say free will, it's like, it comes up like, oh, like graphics on a television when the words are created and they pop in, they pop out, they slide to the right, the left, like word animation, <laughs> the word free will pops into my face in like this, you know, um, font. It's kind of bubbly and it's got blues and um, dark colors and light colors of blues. And it just says free will, free will. Okay, that's cool. So it keeps going back to the only free will we have is the intention. But what about, oh, the training that we have, again, is based on the intention. So how you improve your expression in one area is based on your intention. Like you may just do it for fun, not caring what the results are, and that's caused by your intention. Or you may do something with a definite, I want this precision, I want it in the speed. Like you have parameters of your intention. And the more clear that your parameters are, the more that you're going to deliver in alignment with them. And that's your free will. So your free will isn't as if a gust of wind comes and totally blows your arrow out of path, which is a possibility. So you're using all the knowledge you know, and then um, it's almost like randomness in the divine design. It's something you could never even contemplate for, and it happens. That's outside of your free will. Your, your free will is how to um, adjust to that divine design. And when I say divine design, it means that there's something running everything beyond us, right? And, and what is being run beyond us, you cannot control, but you can um, respond to in alignment with your intention, right? So a big gust of wind comes like that for somebody that doesn't care. They're going to be like, oh, that's the way it goes. Uh, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Or they might say, oh, that's the way I expect it to go all the time. And then they practice in order for it to happen that way. So really, it is our intention that's our free will. Okay, so now I want to focus on the limitations around our free will. Because going into the world, there's a lot that doesn't, as far as results, that doesn't align with our desire. So what's up with that? Again, divine design. Okay.
you know what it is it's there's this tandem link between us and everything else and when we try to create something that's not in alignment with that divine design that connects us with everything else it fails so our intention is what gives us the experience but if our intention isn't aligned with the natural design then it will fail and then we can respond to that and that's our emotions if something fails and we expect it to fail we're going to feel um not as much uh triggering not as much emotional response as when we expect something to be one way and it doesn't do that way then that's going to cause a negative response because our expectation is the reality that we're projecting and when the divine design says nope you got it wrong then we don't feel so good because we want our free will to rule over nature and we are a part of this experience we are not everything we just like our attention our focus is what creates our personal experience in this big um intertwined connected um it's not even just the world universe everything right so um, and then and they show me a little butterfly. It's the butterfly effect, right? So it's, we're connected and there's no way to remove ourselves from that connection, even if we deny it. So cool. Oh, okay. So it's bringing me to that whole energy of releasing attachments. Oh, <laughs> okay. So my frustration comes from my expectation again this is a constant lesson i don't know when i'm going to learn this i'm ready so ready and so done with this lesson but the lesson is is that um i am responsible for my expression my expression is my responses to this divine design and i get frustrated when i believe that my responses are superior or have more power than the game that I'm in. So I agreed to play this game with everybody else. And in games are parameters so that we can connect, so that everything unfolds. And if I try to remove myself from this agreement that I made, then I'm gonna feel that detachment or I'm gonna feel that discomfort because I'm not in alignment with that which I have agreed. Okay, yeah. Which leads me to timing because I have an issue with timing. I live in, I see in the future. So, um, it's taken me, um, so it's kind of like I'm on a yellow brick road and you know how like all the cities or all the experiences along the road change, right? So at first it's like poppy fields they got they got the munchkin town so it's the same road but different experiences along the road and it's that we transition through them and sometimes we try to um, stop and stay too long and it's kind of like if Dorothy would have stopped and just stayed in one place then the story never would have finished and we signed up for the full story so there's this propulsion or pull that has us continuously moving on our journey. Oh, that's cool. It's like nature is working in conjunction with that which we've agreed to experience. All right, so here's the one thing I love about this space. I have to be, um, I kind of want to stop because I'm, right now the floods 
gates are opening. So I'm getting a lot of visions at once. So I'm seeing the universe gridded out and each part of the grid has a different story, has a different function, has a different, so it's like zooming into each one of those grids and I'm seeing what's happening. And then it takes my life and it takes it down the road of everything that's happening. And then it shows me a bowl of marbles and like three of them are one color and then there's a bunch of them this color and that, but there's a divine design to that. So if I took all of them, the marbles out and just made them one color, then it would not be delivering what the design of this unity thing is. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. All these things. It's, it's almost like, um, how do I explain it? Like, uh, like TV screens, right? Or, or monitors. I've seen, I've seen engineers or programmers, how they have like a bunch of monitors and each one is telling a different story. That's what I'm seeing right now is each one of these is telling a different story. And, um, each one has a possibility to interact with. So it's, I do have free will interacting with each one, but I am not controlling the outcomes on this. It's my intention is pulling me towards if I don't want to, um, fulfill that intention. And I just want to stay like, let's say I'm just in bed for a long time and I'm not, um, and I'm not reaching towards this. It's almost like a life expression that I'm going to feel that, right? I'm going to feel that stagnation. So it's like we're working in tandem and how we decide to work with this divine design is going to give us our experience. It's almost like we have free will, but we don't. That's what's interesting. It's like, yes, you have free will. And then I'm like, but what if I don't want to go in accordance to this divine design? It's like, sorry, that's the game that you signed up for. And I'm like, but how does that make me free will? It's because I already chose it. Um, I chose this, <laughs> everybody right away. I hear like this, this group of people, <laughs> this is how it shows up <coughs> in my mind, a group of people on the corner. It's like bottom right. And they're like, I didn't choose this life. <laughs> and it's like, you don't remember, or you may not be able to see the potentiality in your bickering and moaning and whining because that comes from a bicker moaning whining i didn't choose this because you feel out of line right you feel misaligned because you haven't tapped into the power that you actually have okay cool so that's why people struggle and they're like um my life is not my own it's because they're not in alignment with what their life is and once they get in alignment with their life is all of a sudden this this joy of working in tandem with the universe will happen um, but you can prevent yourself from moving down that road because you do have free will. It's just not going to be comfortable because there's a pool that's constantly going to be there. So the, the debate between free will and divine design both exist. Your experience is your free will. You will go where this divine plan is sending us. Evolution is something that happens um, through species and our, and our planets and the universe. And all it is is like uh, a different programming that's pulling us forward. Uh, that's what it feels like. So it's almost like the grid of the universe that I was seeing. Um, it pulls one point of it and it looks like a blanket dragging. So evolution is basically all these grids what's happening and there's an intention to that too and it's being dragged where it has to go as we experience it 
cool. It's very sciencey, to be honest. It doesn't feel like this religious, like, and Jesus commands, and therefore it is. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like that kind of divine design. It's more like, um, okay, so they're showing me a piece of grass right now, but not the outside of the grass. I'm seeing like these little cells on the inside and there's a divine design, right? There's something within it. Now, do plants have free will? They don't have the extent of expression that humans have, but they do have um, the optimal, the optimization of experience. I don't know what that means. Going with the flow or catching, it's almost like catching on a snag. Uh, but they don't have the, the same capacity we have to choose uh, different dynamics. It's almost like they have less, uh, less components, less expressions. Nope. They have equal expression as we do, but it, I understand that we don't, they don't have the executive functioning. They don't have thought. They don't have all that. It's different. Ooh, it shows me as like different life forms. That's pretty cool. So it immediately, not alien wise, but we are a different life form than the plant. So the plant is in the same divine design being pulled by the universe kind of process, but they don't, it doesn't necessarily get to choose its experience along the way. We do. We were given the ability to um, be in control of our emotions. Oh, that's what it is. So my mind automatically go to the, went to the question of if we don't get to choose how we're evolving and we're just evolving, could we ever be off track? And it says there is no off track in a divine design. It's your experience of on track or off track. Okay, so it just is. The world just is. That's it. It's just, it is. That's it. And then we look at it and try to create meaning about what is. And it's in those stories is our experience. But we can change those stories at any time because we're just making all this shit up. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's almost like we're going into... <coughs> excuse me, a museum, and we're seeing these artifacts and stuff, but it's only coming from our observable stance of where we are in this space and time. So it's showing me like, you know, 21, 21st century humans, right? We're just like with our mentality, our technology, everything, looking at these artifacts from a lifetime that we can't relate to and we create it based on our knowing of here and now, you know? So we're wrong. <laughs> First thing it says is, no, what you create is just your creation. It is not so. It is only so in your experience. But that's enough for us to experience and engage with it. Do we change the way we interact or whatever based on this information? That's so cool. Mm. So when I look at this from like a multicultural perspective, um, we choose the experience as we butt up against other realities. So a culture is in a story that's shared amongst a certain people, right? Um, and then when we go forth and we start mingling our stories, how we experience that is, um, well, it's part of evolution. Our stories are what drive our actions and our actions is what's driving our, our 
humanity evolution. And it is towards, like, I can see it very clearly a uh, hundred years down the line. That's what makes it really difficult to interpret the data I'm receiving today in our world versus my vision that I see in a hundred years. And I don't know why a hundred comes up, but it just seems like that's the page I turn to in the book. It's always that hundred year mark. And we are much more united. Um, we're much more considerate. We are uh, much more sustainable. So all the things that we're struggling with now work out. I know that sounds like people are hopeless and they're like, well, I can't see it. I'm like, I'm not hopeless because it's very clear. It's already there. Evolution of humanity is closer and it's closer as a globe because um, it opens it up to other expressions. So instead of Oh, instead of us dividing amongst in a country like in the U.S. right now, everybody's fighting, but it's only because the us and them stories are amongst individuals. The us and them stories are going to be us as a species against another threat that may not be of the same species. And I'm not saying like aliens, uh, but that could be a possibility. Aliens meaning just an unknown thing that comes into our existence, alien to us. But um, it could also be something we're quite familiar with in our story that we created about it. But then the divine design all of a sudden flips it right on the other side. And if it flips it just in anything, it could be. Um, so right now the rainforests are burning. The Amazons are on fire, right? So that is not going to kill us. It, like right away, it doesn't feel like anything that we should... Um, create chaos over but we should address because it could be something like that right something that just happens in a moment that's going to change everything and then we're going to have to start working together as a human population rather than just um me and you against an idea of expression it'll be you and me against a threat to our survival and how do we work together to overcome the obstacles so that's what happens in the next hundred years. There's something that brings us all together. So it, to me, it's, I guess here's what right away, like the bomb comes up. I don't see it as a bomb. I don't think that that's going to happen. Like it doesn't resonate, right? Whenever I hear, I, I have a vision of something, there's a different feeling when it like hits. I don't know how to explain that, but it's either an ease into it or it keeps popping me out of that idea. So right now I, I don't know if I'm my ego's creating it or it's just where my thought went, but I saw the mushroom cloud and then it just immediately reverses. So the mushroom cloud goes up as if it's exploding and it's almost, it goes and rewind and goes right back where I, when I, where I brought it from. So it won't allow me to create that picture. So I don't believe that that is something that's going to happen. It's more, it feels environmental or alien. Um, an alien, again, I'm not getting green suits. I'm getting alien as in something that becomes, we become aware of that um, did not exist in our awareness. Yeah. And then we all get together in order to survive past that thing. Yeah. And that changes the evolution of our humanity. So, <laughs> so I just saw the timeline rewind from that hundred years ago to today. And then my brain goes, okay, so what's the next step? And the next step is actually what we choose because what I do today is going to be absolutely, um, 
the worth <laughs> that's sad so the word comes up worthless it's like it doesn't even impact at all like all i'm doing is spending time creating expressing nothing that i am doing right now impacts the long-term um hundred year evolution right this is just for my enjoyment what's happening it's like it's the there I'm, I'm just traveling on this one road but then what happens is is there's this and now there's another road and then i start walking on that so everything that i've done up until that road just was for my own fun my own uh, evolution too because my mind is opening i'm being more in tune to other things but um <laughs> my actions are completely for myself well gosh that makes things so much easier because my mind um so again my mind goes to that hundred years but when i see it what my ego wanted to do was be in control of it was saying oh i got this vision so that must mean that i am the one that must bring us there and it's saying oh holy thou are not <laughs> that is so awesome <laughs> i do i have a big ego in this life expression for some reason i really my ego believes it has so much more power than it does meaning not power of my experience my my ego actually thinks that i can impact the world which is beautiful and cute and all of that um because it it that's what helps drive my um expression but it's completely inaccurate <laughs> that's awesome <coughs> It's funny because it's something that I struggle so much with. And when I see it, it's like, or duh, Emmelyn, express from the inside out and um, just have faith that you're on the right path and then focus on you enjoying it and you connecting with other people and you opening up your consciousness to be able to see that which is coming um, because you are aware of it. Okay, got it. Sometimes I get just a little bit of information like this and it just changes my whole body chemistry like all of a sudden my body just went uh, like not uh, like a hopeless but uh, like i relaxed into it right so i had all this stress because i could see oh i'm a meaning creating oh, i gotta do this gotta do this gotta do this this like huge pressure that if i don't get this right then this vision isn't gonna happen and it just disconnected my string from this event it's like <laughs> It's like, okay, so it's like humans, we're trying to control the weather, we're trying to control our food, we're trying to, it's only our experience in this moment that we're doing, because um, if nature decides to wipe out everything that we've created, let's say an EMP burst, right, so all of our technology dies, then now we have to create new stories and start over, and again, if we feel like our whole purpose was tied to this path and this pie ooh the stock market the money oh mass exit of the people that agree with this money game when the money game starts to change whoo there's a lot of pain if they have attachment to that okay i see how it is okay cool so it is our expression it's gonna happen even if we feel like we have the ultimate control over a situation we're kidding ourselves and that attachment is what creates us pain because we are not in control other than our free will of our experiment, our experience. Ooh, experiment is right. This is an experiment. 
Okay, I got that. So, I'm, I'm out. Um, it's funny because when the visions go away, they just like pop like a balloon. And then I'm back in my 3D reality. My eyes open. I notice um, the things around me. That kind of stuff. So, I get... Okay, so today's message, <laughs> especially with me going to teach class right now, is about... It really is that your expression and what you want to do and how you want to contribute to creating. Um, yeah, but there's nothing to worry about because we don't really have control over that. Wow. That's that surrender. I'm always, always going back to... The, here's the fundamental lesson of everything I've learned that I struggle with every day still. Um, it is a we, not a me. Right? So ultimately our species is about a we. And it's, if you're a me, me mentality, there's isolation, disconnection from the full um, universal evolution that's happening. Um, so it's always... And that's hard. Sometimes I tell you... I'll get a ping. I, I actually talk to Teresa about this sometimes. I get a ping that I should help somebody, you know, and my ego doesn't want to because I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to do this work. I don't know how. Why do I need to do this? But it won't stop. Like, I literally will get the face of somebody popping into my mind over and over and over again. And I'm like, have to get over my ego. And then I go and help. I don't even know how to help most of the time, but just my willingness to reach out and just say, I wonder how people interpret that, but I don't know. I'll go to that person and be like, you keep coming in my, up in my meditation and we need to figure out what this is. What can I do to help? Why, um, why am I focused on you or why does this come up? And to interact. And it normally means there's something I can do for that person. Yeah. And, and I kind of have to, especially at the beginning. Oh my gosh. I remember talking with Teresa. It was so hard. I'm like, I don't want to do it. But that was my own comfort zone. I didn't want to, you know what it was I struggled with at the very beginning is I didn't want to help people that I felt were in deep pain because I didn't want to um, go into that deep pain. I avoided it myself. So when I got that twing of help this person, they're in pain, I would be like, no, I'm running away from that because I was running away from my own pain. So um, yeah, that's awesome. See how evolution works? You just continuously keep going and then it all fall in, falls into line. All right. So it is what it is. That was our channeling Amelin this morning. Again, every day is different, but it really is about, it really is about how do I spend time with myself so that I'm in control of my experience. That's all you have. Nobody else gets to um, manipulate your experience. We do it. I was listening to a Balharetti when he was talking about the um, the future, and he's like, "Yeah, the useless class. Basically, they're just going to use drugs to manipulate their emotions, right? Because it's not from the inside out. They're just going to self-medicate, and then they're going to have stuff that will um, consume their time, and and that's okay. That's you're still moving along in evolution. You're just not playing the part of our economic game." That's it. Because if you're useless, you're useless to the market. You're not useless as a human being. You just aren't going to be tapping into this game that the billionaires are playing. Right now, we're supporting that system. And um, yeah, that's going to change. But it's cool. But there will be pain for people if they have attachments. So I get that. <laughs> awesome. 
So we'll talk to you sometime this weekend.